What is up, Buttercups? How y'all doing? How's it hanging? Welcome back to another episode of the Be That Bitch podcast with your bitch, Allie. I'm really excited to be here with y'all. If it sounds different, it's because today's episode is brought to you by my bed. So you right now, I just want to paint the picture for y'all. You right now are hanging out with me in my bed while I stare at three, yes, three baskets of unfolded laundry because I had every anticipation of doing it. So I brought it upstairs from the laundry room and then I sat in my bed for an hour and a half scrolling the ticky talk, scrolling Instagram until I was like, well, fuck, looks like the laundry's not getting done. Um, but I do need to record a podcast. Fuck it. Let's record it from my bed. So that is exactly what is happening. Sometimes I feel like y'all as listeners, you know, and maybe y'all that just like scroll Instagram or see everybody's like, whatever, their highlight reel, think that they have their fucking life together, that their laundry might be, must be folded and their house must be clean and they must be on top of their to-do list and their calendar and they must not procrastinate and they must have their shit together. I am here to let you know that no one has their shit together. Some people are just better at pretending that they do. I am not one of them people. I will I will call it like I see it. Let's call a spade a spade. I, Allie Griffith, have a procrastination problem. And, you know, I would love to blame a bunch of outside sources. But at the end of the day, it's on me. I am the one who makes the conscious decision to sit on my phone or read my Kindle instead of doing the shit I say I was going to do. Now, I've been really good about calling my bullshit when it comes to my health and fitness, when it comes to my eating, when it comes to all that. We're, we're not there yet on all the other aspects of my life, but right, baby steps. That's what I tell y'all all the time. Baby steps. Let's, let's take the steps a little bit at a time, pick one area of our life at a time, improve it, then move on to the next. So that's pretty much what we're doing right now. But you know what? Fuck it. That laundry will be there later. That is the mindset I feel like we need to have in 2023, right? We need to have the fuck it mentality that you know what? That laundry sitting there is not affecting anyone, right? It's ugly. I'm staring at it right now. (laughs) Fucking shit's ugly. But it's not affecting anyone. It's not affecting my kids. It's not affecting my husband. It's not affecting our day-to-day life, right? It is very low on the priority scale. And I feel like a lot of us let these things get so like like make them feel so much bigger than what they are right especially as mamas because we're like our house is a mess so we let it like disrupt our mood and laundry is not done so we allow us to procrastinate our workout or you know meal planning or spending time doing things that bring us joy because we're like well fuck it I have to do the laundry no the fuck you don't you don't have to do the laundry right there No, you don't. You are putting that pressure on yourself because it's something you can control when you feel like there's a lot of other things outside of your control. So let me spell this out for us, right? I'm going to just spell this out for us. That laundry doesn't matter. It's not more important than you. Those dirty dishes don't matter. They're not important than you, right? It is not affecting anybody if you push them off a little bit to do something that will actually make a dent, right? Like taking care of yourself, like doing your workout, like making a healthy meal, like spending time with your babies, right? Those are things that will actually impact your life. Folding laundry, 
won't impact your life, right? I promise you, it won't. I mean, I've gotten to the point where I don't fold my husband's laundry anymore, which is another discussion for another day because he's just a child. And if I fold it, he won't put it up. But I also got pissed off because he never helped me with my laundry. So I was like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to do mine and the kids. You cannot do yours. So I kid you not, he literally lives his life like a frat boy and picks the laundry out of the basket and puts it on and then puts it in a dirty basket. Like he has a clean basket and a dirty basket. <laughs> it does not affect how he lives his day to day. Like, can we just acknowledge that us putting laundry above doing our workouts or taking care of ourselves or doing stuff that we say that really matters to us is fucking stupid. <laughs> Especially when there's people out there living their life completely content with having a clean basket and a dirty basket. So I really don't know where that entire rant came from. But I feel like especially, you know, I'm talking right now to my mamas, right? I'm talking to my women, my mamas, because a lot of us put this pressure on ourselves to have a clean house, to do the laundry. We say we've got all this shit to do. So that's why we can't take care of ourselves. That's why we can't work out. That's why we can't eat healthy. That's why we can't do all these things that say we say we really want to do because I have all these other obligations. Okay. Nobody says you have to do that shit right then and there, right? Nobody says it. The shit will be there later on. So I want you to go into the other half of this week and the rest of 2023 saying that shit can wait. Say it with me. That shit can wait because it does not directly affect my life. Now, I get some of y'all get really worked up about it. Well, then hide it, right? Like put it in a fucking closet. I always say the best and the worst decision I ever made when purchasing my house was that I, I bought a house with an actual laundry room. I should have bought a house with a laundry closet so I couldn't hide it and avoid it. But I bought a house with a laundry room. So I shut that door and I'm like out of sight, out of mind. It does not affect me anymore. I feel like we need that, that mentality about a lot of things in our life so, so that we can prioritize the shit that actually matters to us and not the shit that doesn't. So anyways, that's my little rant on laundry and that laundry will sit there until I am damn ready to fucking do it. Also, I don't know if you hear like all the, I don't know, the ice or whatever. I'm sitting here staying a hydrated bitch because I'm cussing a lot. And if y'all are new to the podcast, let me let you in on a little challenge we do every single thing. It's my take on making sure I keep the population hydrated. So our slogan here is a hydrated bitch is a happy bitch. So anytime I say any type of cuss word, any type at all, uh, you got to take a swig of water because my goal by the end of this podcast is to make sure you are one hydrated bitch because I am sick and fucking tired of everybody bitching about not wanting to drink water, about they can't drink water. So I am doing my, I feel like this is like my due diligence in the world, right? Like I'm giving back to society by making sure I am hydrating bitches one podcast at a time. So that's basically what we're doing right now. I have realized we are eight minutes in right now and I have given you nothing of fucking value. So Sorry about you, but y'all know, and I feel like I had zero plans with this podcast episode, if you guys can't tell. So usually these podcasts are either really great or really fucking bad, but you know, my goal with this podcast is that it literally just feels like two girlfriends shooting the shit. So that's basically what I'm doing with y'all. I'm shooting the shit, and this is literally how a conversation with me goes in real life. It is 
all over the fucking place. I am flying like 12 different planes and I don't know if any of them bitches are actually going to get landed, but we gon' we gonna see. But this episode is Ask That Bitch. So I am asking, or I'm not asking, I am answering the questions that y'all have asked me. I asked y'all what you want to hear from me on Instagram. If you got questions, if you need advice, I also had y'all email them to me. So I will be going over those in this podcast episode. But before we get that, I do have to go over my spicy reads of the week because y'all know there's two things in this world I love. I love a good workout and I love a good spicy book. If y'all don't know, we do have a Be That Bitch book club. If you want to join us, it's over on Patreon. You can go to my Instagram at Allie Griffith and you'll find the link in that, to that on my bio. Um, we will be reading a good book together and then having a meeting at the end of the month. So I'm really fucking excited about it. It's actually our first one. Um, so I'm really excited about that. But regardless, if you don't want to join us, that's fine. No hard feelings but if you do love to see you in there we get we get a little little cray cray in there but what is my spicy read of the week my spicy read of the week is called the intern y'all if you have not read about the dalton brothers this book is by marnie mann and I am just telling you, I there's there's a difference between well-written spice and unwell-written spice, like not well-written. And she writes spice so fucking well. And I'm sorry, but if I'm going to read an office romance, I am I have an expectation. I have an expectation that they're gonna mention high heels at some point and the man is going to tell her to leave those heels on in my own oh mind. Does Declan deliver? So Declan is a broody lawyer. He's a litigator, so he likes to argue. He likes to be right. But he, his love interest is actually his intern who is also interning to be a litigator. So she is also stubborn, likes to be right. Well, they don't meet first time there. No, that would be too fucking simple. The first time that they meet is... Y'all, the first time that they meet is at her law class, right? So she's a she's a lawyer. She's in her last year of law school. He comes in as a guest speaker. He is enamored by her, by the way she is doing this mock trial. So he invites six people to this fucking bar, right? So they can shoot the shit and talk shop. They can ask him questions, whatever. Well, he decides, you know what? I don't want to just talk shop with her. I want to stick my pee pee in her. <laughs> So he literally corners her out of the bathroom and is like, you wanna, you wanna, then they're like, all right, we need to get the fuck out of here. But neither of them were willing to wait 45 minutes to actually get home. So he was like, you know what? There's an alley over here. Let's just fucking hit it and quit it. That's what he does. He hits it and he quits it. She goes to the bathroom to make a phone call to her friend. She comes back. He is nowhere to be found nowhere to be found. She was like, that motherfucker, right? That, that motherfucker. So then she gets all pissed off, right? Well, she starts her first day of her new internship. Guess who her boss is? None other than one night stand, hit it and quit it. <laughs> yes. So then they become enemies. Yeah. I'm not going to give you any more because this book is honestly just mwah, chef's kiss. But if you're looking for a lot Good Banter, Spicy Book, The Intern by Marnie Mann. It is part of a character series, but you don't have to read the other three books. But honestly, why would you not want to? They are also perfection. Like, 
I'm telling you, this series owns my entire life. Um, the next book is Hitman. Um, I'm not going to lie. I don't really know why I rated this book so high other than the fact that it achieved what it set out to achieve. It wanted to achieve the what the fuck factor and it did that. So that's all I'm really going to say about that book because honestly, the fuckery in it, y'all are going to judge the hell out of me when you read it. You're going to be like, she likes this shit. Yes, the fuck I do. Um, absolutely. I like it because you know what? I like books that take me out of reality and there is nothing that takes you more further from your reality than reading about a hitman that kidnaps a bitch and holds her against her will. I'm just saying nothing else will take you further from your reality. Have you all seen that TikTok where it's like, um, why do you read spicy books? And then the woman's like, it's because I have the heart of a married person, but the mind of a slut. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> do y'all ever question why you listen to this podcast? I'm sure you guys do, because honestly, I have no idea. Y'all are like, so the first half we talk about, um, we talk about spicy books, and then the second half she switches all the way to motivation. Okay, you know what? We just do things the way we want to over here. We're not trying to stay in a box. Life is not as interesting in that box. We are staying outside of that box. So Without further ado, let's go ahead and flip the script and get into y'all's questions. Alrighty, y'all, let's get to these questions. Now, I would love to tell you that I went through these questions before and organized them because that's what a person on top of their shit would do. I am not that person. So we're just going to we're just going to go for it. So the first one is an email says, thanks to you. I'm training for a half marathon. Holy fucking shit. I'm so proud of you. I'm also doing strength training from your experience and knowledge or direction from your running coach. If you're running and strength training within the same workout and not spreading it throughout the day is it recommended to run first then strength train or vice versa so personally this is what I do not saying it's right or wrong but this is what I do and what I've done and my coach hasn't reprimanded me for it is I personally strength train after my run so I don't want to go into my run on tired legs or sore muscles I want to go into my run feeling fresh so what I'll do is first I like to foam roll and stretch do my dynamic stretches and then I'll go into whatever my run is. So if it's a speed workout or a, or a, you know, an easy run or whatever the case may be, I'll go do that. Then right after that is when I'll do my strength training because yes, my legs will be tired, but then I'm just going to annihilate them. And then the next day it'll be easier, maybe stretching or anything like that. I personally like to put my two hardest workouts together. Um, and then the next day following will be an easier day to give my muscles recovery. So I personally will always do my cardio if it's cycling or if it's running before my strength training, because I don't want to go into my run or anything like that already with my legs feeling like shit because that's just gonna make for a fucking terrible workout 
Alrighty, let's get to the next question. Uh, what are your protocols or solutions for when you have gotten off track two or three or more days in a row and you find yourself in a depression and a shame spiral and are struggling to get past it to get back on track? So personally for me, I like to get back to the basics. So something I feel like a lot of people do and where they set themselves up for failure is when they sh- like find themselves completely off the beaten path, right? So say you have gone so far in the opposite way, you don't know where you're at. Think, let me paint the picture for you. Think about a road trip, right? So you're going on a road trip to Panama City. You're going to the beach. You're on a road trip. Well, you make a wrong turn and you find yourself like 45 minutes, an hour in the opposite direction. And you're like, I have no idea where I'm at. You don't just like keep going that way and then find yourself at the beach. No, you have to backtrack. You have to start over and kind of circle back around. That's the way I like to look at it when I get off track or when I find myself struggling. I tell myself I can't just start back where I was, right? There's no way if you've gone 45 minutes in the opposite direction to snap your fingers and be right back where you were to keep going in the right direction. No, you have to start back from where you were. So say you took six months off or a week off. It doesn't fucking matter, right? But you've got to start where you are right now. You can't just blink and be exactly where you were when you were thriving. No, that's not how that happens. You've got to start where you're at. So where you're at might be you need to start making those baby steps to getting back in the right direction. So ask yourself, what did you do in the very beginning of your journey to help get you to where you are right now? Because chances are that's probably what you're going to be needing to do, right? You've got to rebuild those habits. You've got to focus on getting back to those consistent behaviors. So don't just go back into it after taking a hot minute off and finding yourself in a depression and a shame spiral and all that. Don't go right back into it expecting that you're going to pick up where you left off. That's not how that fucking works. Sorry. Hate to break it to you. Doesn't work that way. What you need to do is go in with the expectation of I've got to build myself back to where I was, which is going to take time. I can't take a week, two weeks, three weeks off and expect to jump right back in and just be smooth sailing, right? There's growing pains. There's You've got to stretch and get back to where you were. So my biggest advice is find out where you feel comfortable starting again, right? Where is something that will push you but not overwhelm you? So maybe you've taken um, a month off of working out and you're ready to get back into it, right? You've taken a month off of working out, eating, right? Meal planning, all the things you were doing. Well, you don't want to get back into it, right back into it saying, all right, tomorrow's day one. I'm going to meal plan. I'm going to get my workouts in. I'm going to do all that. No, because you're going to be overwhelmed. You're going to be doing too much and you're going to start freaking the fuck out. What you can do is say, okay, tomorrow I'm going to start making steps to get back to where I was. I'm going to start with focusing on getting at least three workouts in this week. All right. Now you're a weekend. You got those three workouts in. You're like, I feel really good about that. I wasn't overwhelmed. I didn't feel stressed. I'm ready to add something on top of that, right? So then you add on, all right, I'm ready to get five workouts in. So now you got all five. All right, you're like, that's where I want to be. I feel good with my workouts. Let me start focusing on my water again. Okay, feel good with my workouts. Feel good with my water. Let me start focusing on veggies. And you just keep adding on to that. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, fuck, that's going to take so long. Guess what, honey boo boo child? There is no instant 
in this journey. This journey is not like instant fucking pudding, right? You don't put it in the fridge and two hours you got pudding. This is like homemade. You've got to fucking really put work into it pudding to get it to where you want to go. So just take that with a grain of salt. So that's my biggest advice is yes, it's important to just get back onto it, but you've got to make sure that your mindset is there and you've got to make sure you're taking those baby steps to get into that right direction where you want to go. Alrighty, let's go to our next email. I'm having difficulty with my coworkers. I have issues often with some of my coworkers in regards to the way I choose to live my life slash my lifestyle. A lot of my coworkers do not understand my lifestyle and they do not make the same food choices that I do. Oftentimes they make comments about what I bring in for lunch and when someone brings something sweet, sometimes they will make comments that I don't eat those kinds of foods when I do in moderation. I wanted to reach out to you to see if you could give me some tips on how to deal with these comments in a professional way since it is my workplace. I want to stand up for myself and be a strong woman who doesn't let others trample over me, but I oftentimes don't won't say anything in fear of pissing somebody off. Okay, so I will say that one of my best friends, she has had this happen in her workplace and we've talked about it a lot. Um, but she, you know, she works with me. We, we, you know, are on this journey together. And a lot of the times they make, you know, comments or it's a very toxic diet mentality office place. So my advice to her, and I'll give that same advice to you, is there's a way to respectfully say something to them. Meaning what I personally would say if I found myself in this situation, I would be, girl, like first I would start off very nonchalantly because I feel like you've got to baby step into these conversations. So the first time I would say, girl, I eat those foods. I just, it's not worth it to me right now, right? Like it's not something I thoroughly enjoy and leave it at that, right? So maybe you can use that as a time to show them or tell them like how you view foods. Some foods are worth it to me and foods that aren't, this isn't something that I really enjoy, right? And if they get their feathers in a ruffle, that's on them. Now, if that doesn't work and they keep on going, I would just tell them respectfully saying, hey, I really appreciate, you know, your concern, but these foods just aren't something I enjoy. It's just not something I want. I do love me a good cheeseburger. I do love those things. But personally, what you're eating is just not something I enjoy or something like that. I feel like just making sure you're coming at it from a respectful angle. But at the end of the day, bitches gonna be bitches. And a lot of the time, what they're doing and the their judgment they're doing is a projection not on you but how they feel about themselves they want to be able to have the discipline to eat foods that you know nurture their body but they don't so a lot of the times remember can we bring it back to high school right when bitches were jealous what did they do they got catty and started just spewing bullshit that's basically the same thing in office workspace like if they're feeling either threatened by you or they're feeling intimidated by you or you're doing something that they wish they could they will start making trying to make you feel bad so it makes them feel better about their choices just realize that whatever they say is a reflection on how they feel about their nutrition choices and about how they feel as a person not on you the only person that has to understand why you do the things you do why you eat the foods you eat you and why you do the things that make you happy is you and just tell them tell them exactly like that like you can say you know I really appreciate your concern but it's just 
this is the way I like to eat foods that I enjoy. It makes me feel good. Um, or you're saying I'm really working on my relationship with food and figuring out foods that are worth it to me and not. And, you know, cheeseburger is worth it to me, but these chocolate chip cookies, mm, not really worth it to me and leave it at that. You could not intentionally even be educating them and they might say, oh, what do you mean by worth it to you? And you can educate them on the idea of worth it foods. Um, but that's personally how I would go about that. But I know it's really hard to deal with confrontation for some people. For me personally, as an Enneagram 8, I love a good confrontation. Um, but I do try to tiptoe into it. So the first time I might try to like make it kind of a little lightheartedness. If it keeps progressing, I'll get a little bit more stern in my rebuttal. Alrighty, moving right along. I'm gonna keep answering questions until we get to like the 35, 40 minute mark, and then we'll cut them off because I don't want y'all having to listen that long. Um, okay, next question. What's the best workout routine for a beginner? So my suggestion, if you're a beginner, like you haven't moved your body in any kind of fitness capacity for like, months, years, whatever. Start with something that doesn't intimidate you a lot. So personally, I always suggest to my, you know, people that are even thinking about signing up for the workouts that I do, somebody that's thinking about working out with me, I say, have you started at least just moving your body? If that's walking, if that's, you know, doing stretches, whatever the case may be, getting in the act of moving your body. I feel like so many people feel like they've got to jump right into like this strenuous workout routine. And that's not what you need to do. At the beginning, you just need to get accustomed to movement. So I think the best workout routine for a beginner, if they're not wanting to sign up for a program, like something with me or something like that, is just start with walking. Start Start with five days, six days a week, going and taking your babies on a 30-minute walk. I feel like walking is so underrated. It can get you outside. It can get those endorphins pumping. It can be something that you do with your kids as a bonding activity. And it can be something that you can do for absolutely free just to get yourself moving. Then once you've gotten in the habit of that and you're ready to move up to an exercise routine, you can always DM me and we can chat about what I use. Or you can find something at a local gym or something like that. Um, but you need to ask yourself before you sign up for a workout routine, ask yourself, can I actually see myself leaving the house and going to this kickboxing class five days a week or going to this gym five days a week? If the answer is no, then you're like, all right, at-home workouts are my solution. Now, can I find myself keeping myself motivated by myself? Like if I do them on YouTube, could I see myself staying motivated by myself? If the answer is no, then you know that you need to work with an online coach or have an online accountability group. And so you can just figure out what works best for you. Remember, the only way that you're going to figure out what works best for you is by trying a bunch of shit and figuring out what doesn't work. The best way to find what works is figuring out what doesn't work. So that is how I would go into as a beginner. Um, whenever I was a beginner, the thing that turned me on to the workouts that I do is I didn't know my ass from my elbow when it came to workouts. Like I just didn't. I didn't know what a fucking chest press was or how to do lunges correctly or anything like that. And so if I was looking at like a printed out workout plan, I'd be like, I don't fucking know what a Turkish goblet mother. I don't know what that shit is, but I watch a video and the trainer shows me specifically what to do, how to do it and corrects my form. I can do it. Right. And so that's why I chose the workouts that I did because it took the guesswork out of it. 
I had a plan. I knew what to do every single day. I had accountability and I had somebody showing me how to do it. So that was why I chose this for my solution. But you might have some background knowledge or something like that. So just figuring out what works best for you. But I always suggest with simply just walking, like I feel like walking is so underrated. Alrighty, fitness during pregnancy. What is your advice on that? So my advice is always to consult your doctor when it comes to fitness during pregnancy. But usually the rule of thumb, unless you are a high risk pregnancy or your doctor has said otherwise, the rule of thumb is you can continue any like movement that you were doing prior to pregnancy. So like, for example, from when I was pregnant with Everly, my my youngest, I did my same workouts. I just modified them for core work and stuff that felt good if I was, you know, extra pregnant because I worked out literally to the day I went and got induced with her. I would modify. I wouldn't get on the ground. I do my pushups on the wall, whatever felt good to me. But I kept my movement consistent to what I was doing prior to pregnancy with her. Now, if you did not have a fitness plan before you were pregnant, like you weren't working out, you weren't really treating your body right, but you want to make sure you treat your body right and get movement in while you're pregnant. First, can I tell you there are so many fucking benefits from a fit pregnancy. I could literally do an entire podcast episode on it, especially comparing my first pregnancy to my second pregnancy, right? My first pregnancy, I didn't move. I didn't work out. I ate like complete dog shit, didn't drink water, like nothing. And it was the worst pregnancy of my entire life. It was the worst recovery of my entire life, which is two pregnancies, but still like it was awful. It was so awful. But then circle to Ev, I knew I did not want to repeat that. So I made sure I stayed consistent with my movement, consistent with my hydration, nutrition, mm, still fucking awful. It, you know, it wasn't that great, but I made sure I controlled those variables and it made recovery so much better. Like I was up out of the bed, literally the second the epidural left my back. Like I was just feeling like I was feeling right back to normal. I was taking my babies on walks two days postpartum. Like I had such an easy recovery when it came to that because of how I treated my body when I was pregnant. So If you did not work out prior to pregnancy, ask your doctor. Of course, always consult your doctor. They might tell you you can do more or just see how your body reacts. But I always tell, you know, those that are thinking about coming and working with me, they're like, I'm three months pregnant, four months pregnant, whatever. Um, And I didn't work out. The first question I ask them is, did you work out when before you were pregnant? And if the answer was no, then I always tell them to wait to work with me until once they're postpartum. Um, But while they're pregnant to stick to walking, stick to making sure they're getting movement in that way um, because that is always something that even if you didn't do prior to pregnancy that is okay with adding to but of course always consult your doctor um, but just make sure that you add, you just don't push yourself too hard but if you were working out consistently before pregnancy pretty much you can do anything while you're pregnant except for like the core work when you're on the ground on your back um but yeah I will tell y'all the the difference between a fit pregnancy and a not fit pregnancy when it comes to recovery is just night and day so if you're like deathly afraid of recovery I'm telling you girl move your body I know it sounds exhausting, but when I swear I could do an entire episode on this. And if y'all want me to, I seriously will because my energy levels were so much different. It just all around was a lot more pleasant of an experience of a pregnancy with Everly than it was with Riley. All right, next question. Food, always food. It's all I think about 24-7. All my life I've ate out and 
or takeaway. So I'm going to tell you this. Why food consumes your every single thought is because of diet culture. It's because diet culture is literally having us fixated on, aren't you have to eat every two hours. You have to be thinking about this. You have to be thinking about your macros. You have to be thinking about calculations. You have to be thinking about points. You have to be thinking about all these. We're literally so obsessed with making sure we stay within the confines of our diet plan that we become obsessive and all we can fucking think about is food. You want to know the best way to get food off your mind? Just fucking eat. Listen to your body. If your body's saying you're hungry, what do you want to eat? Make sure you have a well-balanced meal, a protein, a carb, and a veggie, and keep it moving. The less you spend time obsessing on if you're doing a diet plan correct or not, if you're doing your macros correct or not, if you're doing your points correct or not, if you're doing your containers correct or not, whatever diet you're insert, whatever it is, the less time you spend obsessing about it, the less time you're going to spend obsessing about food in general, which means the more control you're going to have over your food. So my biggest thing is especially from my point of view and whenever I used to because I was the same way I would be obsessing I'd literally be eating breakfast thinking about lunch or eating lunch thinking about supper I would say one ask yourself am I restricting too much? Because if you're restricting too much, like you're cutting carbs out or you're trying to eat 100% clean or whatever the case may be, if you're restricting too much, you're going to be so obsessed with the foods that you can't have and to the point where you're going to end up going off the deep end. So you want to make sure you're having a good balance of nutrition, right? You're having a good balance of foods that are good for your soul and good for you so that you don't feel like you are deprived, right? I always say if I have a super big craving, like I've been thinking thinking about fucking chocolate all day, I'll allow myself a little piece of chocolate because it's better having that little piece of chocolate than saying, I am so proud of myself. I really wanted chocolate, but I didn't eat it because I stuck to my diet plan. And then two days later, you're binging on an extra large fucking candy bar because you just couldn't deprive yourself any longer, right? Which one would be better doing that or eating that little piece of chocolate when you truly have been thinking about it and really wanting it satisfying that craving and moving on. So usually the root of the obsession with food is too much restriction, too much strenuous, like too strenuous of a diet or underlining emotional like attachments to food, meaning that you have a trigger with it being depression or it being, you know, like stress or boredom or whatever the case may be. And if those are the things, then you need to start working on realigning the trigger. And that all starts with realigning the habit, um, which that has to be a whole podcast episode within itself on how to readjust the trigger points to have a different because that's everything we do right every single thing we do is a reaction to something happening right saying like you wake up you go pee like it's something you always do right before I go to bed I brush my teeth it's a habit it's a ritual you have a action and a reaction right so Anyways, that would be my biggest suggestion. But yeah, if you want to stop obsessing about food, stop putting so much fucking rules around your food and regulations. Okay, next question. All right, so somebody said, I'm having a really hard time finding non-scale victories. What are some of yours after losing weight? Well, the fact that you asked about non-scale victories after losing weight, can we just say, what are some of your non-scale victories now? Because it should not be... What are they because I lost weight? Because my non-scale victories had zero things to do with 
before I like before I even lost a fucking pound, I had non-scale victories. And they are literally everywhere around. So some of the non-scale victories I have found since really transforming my lifestyle, I have found that I have higher energy levels. I find that I sleep better. I find that I feel more confident in my body. I find that my libido is so much fucking higher. I find that my relationship with my husband is better because I feel more confident in myself. I find my relationship with my kids is better because I'm more energized to go run around and play with them. Uh, my clothes fit better, right? So I don't feel so self-conscious in my clothing. I find that I have more control over my nutrition. I found that I've been able to heal years and years and years of emotional trauma when it comes to nutrition and stuff like that because I focus on these things. There's so many different areas to measure success than the scale. The scale is honestly the worst fucking measure of success. If something, if you're measuring your worth and your success on a machine that could literally change from morning to evening, like don't fucking do it. Like how idiotic does that sound? And I know that was probably harsh, but I don't fucking care, right? Like how idiotic does it sound that we are putting our entire like worth and success, like how we measure it in this machine that can literally be five pounds less in the morning than it is in the evening, that it can literally change from morning to evening, knowing damn well that you didn't gain weight like that. And then we allow it to hold us in an emotional chokehold. Like, no, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. We're not, we're not doing that. So yes, those are ton, those are just to name a few. I'm sure there's tons of non-scale victories that I have experienced that I'm not listing there, but that's just a few that you can start looking for. Alrighty, we got time for like two more questions. How do you manage marathon training? Um, Very hard. It's hard. I'm not going to lie. So if y'all don't know, you know, when you marathon train, it's literally like 12 to 16 weeks and there are a lot of fucking miles and a lot of hours that go into marathon training. So the first thing I re- I set the expectation to myself that I'm not going to be perfect. Like it's about effort. It's not about perfection. It's about getting at least 80 to 90% of my training runs in, but I'm never going to get 100%. Also about planning. So before the week starts, I tell my husband, all right, these are the runs I need to get done this week. How are we going to fit those in? I did buy a treadmill, so it does has made it easier. This training cycle, my first one, I did not have a treadmill. So I really had to be very disciplined. And when my husband got home, I hauled ass two to three days a week outside to go run. But now I can do it at home during nap time. Um, but I set the expectation. I sit down with Chris and I'm like, all right, Chris, so... These are the runs I have this week. When can I get out to do them? And so we plan our schedule around my runs and when he has to do his stuff. um, And then he mans the kids while I go do that. Now, that's like two to three hours. So that's why I always say before you sign up for a race or a big race like that, knowing that it's going to take a lot of training time, you want to make sure you consult your significant other because it is not just a commitment on you. It's also a commitment on them because there's going to be somebody that has to watch those crazy kids. Now, if you don't have kids, then, you know, maybe you don't have to consult them as much as I would. But that's how I manage that. Um, And then, you know, I just kind of go in and say, you know what? Every run's not going to be the best. And I just 
got to wipe the slate clean after that run. You know, you, you do it, you evaluate it, you move on. Kind of goes on with the 24-hour rule that I talked to you guys about, right? You can't dwell on all the failures you had just like you can't dwell on all the successes you've had. You've got to have short-term memory to have success. Okay, let's go to our last questions. What are your thoughts on intermittent fasting? I personally don't believe in intermittent fasting. Now, I know I'm going to have a lot of people come at me, but I just personally for me, I eat breakfast every single day. I could not imagine going until lunch when us as humans fast already, right? Like after I'm done eating supper at six o'clock until I wake up at 6 a.m., I'm literally fasting that entire time. My body is going into a fasted state. Um, I don't find that I need to extend that fasted state because there's just, you know, I've done research on it versus, you know, like the benefits of eating breakfast and having a meal in the morning versus the benefits of fasting. Personally, for me, I find that when I do have breakfast, I have a lot more control over my nutrition throughout the day. I have a lot more energy. If I fast for an extended period of time, I personally don't have energy. And because I run, I personally could not fast. I like 20 out of 10 do not recommend doing a fasted run it literally makes it so fucking hard especially if you're doing like a five a six a seven mile run so personally for me since I love morning runs that just nicks intermittent fasting altogether but I'm not you know super well versed on all of the benefits of intermittent fasting but from the research that I have done it's just not something that I would be into it. And it's too much of a diet for me. Like, I don't want to be doing something that says, okay, you cannot eat after 6 p.m. Well, what the fuck happens if me and my girls want to go for cocktails one night at 7 p.m.? You're telling me that I'm going to have to feel deprived. I'm going to feel like I've missed out on something because I'm going to break my fasted state and then have to start everything all over again. Like, no, I don't want to have to stress about that, right? I my focus is I want to live life. I want to have control over my nutrition. And the less guidelines I have over that, like the less restrictions I have, the more successful I am. I always focus on whole foods. I focus on having well-balanced meals. I focus on having every food group. And I find most success with me when there is less rules involved. All right. So that is all the time we have for today. I hope this episode was helpful. If it wasn't, I'm sorry. Maybe next week will be better, but (laughs) this week, this is what you got. But anyways, if you did find this helpful, if you did enjoy it, will you do me a solid and please go leave a five-star review on Spotify or Apple and little note. They really do help the podcast grow. And I always so appreciate it. I love reading them. I just love being able to help as many people as possible. And the only way that we can do that is by getting this out there. And those ratings do help that. Also share it on your Instagram stories and tag me so I can personally thank you for putting up with my crazy ass. Anyways, I'm gonna leave you like I leave you every single week in a world full of bitches be that bitch. Love ya. Mean it. See you next Wednesday.